This is The Politics of Everything, and I'm your host, Amber Danes. Welcome to the podcast where we want to discuss the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment to equality, and much more. Our guests are experts in their field or topic of choice, even if you've not yet heard their name. This is a bipartisan podcast, so while we love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate, by no means is this a one-sided forum for any one political view. So please listen up and enjoy the politics of everything. I can still recall my Year 10 economics teacher telling me that specialisation was the key to workforce efficiencies. Today I'm in conversation with Robert Tadros, who got his first job at age 14 in a fast food outlet and has never stopped working since. Most recently, he founded a Melbourne-based digital marketing agency, Impressive Digital, some two years ago. It's now a thriving company with an annual turnover forecast at $3.5 million this year, which Robert attributes to specialisation, and a team of super talented employees and scores of clients, including Misha Collection, DigiDirect and Xblades. This may have made Robert seem like an overnight success story, but according to him, his story isn't so much one of glamour, but rather a perseverance. Tadros moved from a, to, moved to Australia from Egypt when he was just 10 and, like many immigrants, has learnt the value of hard work. I welcome Robert to share more about his experience as we discuss the politics of specialisation. Welcome, Robert. Thank you, Amber. Thank you for having me. So tell us a bit about your childhood. It's a bit different to most people who come on my show. You came to Australia when you were 10. Do you remember that experience and what was it like coming from Egypt to Australia at that time? Absolutely. Look, we actually landed in Australia on the 20th of September, 1985. And it's actually my birthday. It was my birthday that day. So I, I, I definitely do recall the, the day, <laughs> very much so. You know, Amber, it was, it, you know, it is very different, right? I've, I've, I come, as you mentioned, from Egypt, from a place called Alexandria. Uh, on the Mediterranean there, and you know, it's a very multicultural uh, city, right? It's very similar to, to Melbourne, but on the, on the other side of the world. You know, I went to a you know an English school, an English and French school actually. So you know, English was pretty much my my first language, and and French was second, and Arabic was third. So you know, I guess I was I was fortunate in the sense that you know I you know as I said, I went to an English school, so English was pretty easy for me. So I guess to a certain degree, you could say from a you know from a language perspective, I didn't really have any any issues. But where where I guess a lot of the challenges where we left our friends and family, both my parents and and obviously, you know, myself, and that was pretty hard for me, you know, as a, as a 10 year old to, to leave all that behind. I can imagine. Yeah. You know, yeah. You kind of, you, you're not sort of like it's when you're two and you could just come and, you know, I guess your whole, you would have started school and you'd have friends and it'd be completely different coming to Australia. Absolutely. Look, and it's, and it's not an experience that, you know, a lot of people go through. So I think it definitely taught me a lot. And, you know, I guess to a certain degree, you can say it's, it's made me who I am today as well. I learned a lot, you know, there's a lot of perseverance, as you, as you mentioned earlier. And, you know, it was definitely a different experience and it was very challenging and for the first you know I remember two to three years trying to just adapt from a very different culture. What sort of things do you remember about that was it like you know the food you ate the types of experiences at school the uniform and what what was some of the nuances if you could unpack those of what was so different? Yeah, sure. So, look, I mean, all, all the above, right, and and more. So, you know, if I remember my first day at school, like, you know, a, a new guy that just comes into into school from Egypt, you know, you, you naturally get a little bit bullied here and there, you know, because you are a little bit different, you dress a little bit different, you talk a little bit different, and, and you learn very quickly as a 10-year-old that you need to change, you need to adapt. Right, so 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 that was a, a quite a challenging 
time in my life. You know, I remember running home and I used to cry to my parents, you know, I don't want to do this. I want to go home. So it, it was, it was, look, it was, it was very challenging. You know, I had no friends and it was, it was hard making new friends when you, when you actually, you know, stick out like a sore thumb, right? You're a new guy that just uh, come into I school bet. and, you know, so, um, yeah, look, but it was, you know, it's, I look now back and I, I look back now. Character building, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it makes it tough. <laughs> so fast forwarding a little bit. In your early career, what did you actually do? Did you have something you really you had you had your dream job, or did you sort of fumble your way through? And were you a specialist in any sort of area or skill set? Yeah, so there's a funny story. I'm an architect, believe it or not. Right, so <laughs> I wow. studied I studied architecture, and I um I, I veered off a little bit, and at, at the age of you know at the age of nineteen, and I started I discovered online, right, online online marketing and, and, and online shopping, and I opened my first online store that was importing products from the US over to here, um, health health products, and I I got pretty deep into it. You know, I, I, I found you could almost say a, a second passion to, to, to architecture. But my entire, you know, my entire life, I, I knew I always wanted to be an architect. It was just this, you know, it was, I guess you could say I, I had this passion for it, right? Um, I had a, a lot of big passion for design and, um, and just architectural buildings. And it's pretty much, you know, I, I knew from when I was at a very young age that that's what I wanted to, what I wanted to do. But, you know, I kind of threw a spanner in the works at the age of 19 and, um, you know, started this online business and it was generating me a lot of revenue. You know, like at, at one stage, I was, I was making you know, $15,000 a week. And, you know, that's a lot of money for, for a 19-year-old back then. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Wow. And I guess that that's really interesting. So it sounds like, you you know, you obviously, an architecture is a long degree. I do know friends that have done it. It's it sort is. of, you know, it's, it's you got to, really really love it to do well in it and persevere in it and launching that business at 19 while you were staying RMIT how did it start and how did it end that business for you look I got my first job when I was 14 in KFC right um, and and from that day I basically didn't stop working right so I went from KFC I was a I was a porter at a, at a hotel and it got to the point when I was at uni I I, I couldn't juggle studying and working um, to, to, to be able to live to the yeah, at the same sort of level that I wanted to, to, to live at, right? So I thought to myself, there's, there's got to be a better and easy way for me to do this. So, and, and, and as I said, I, I discovered the online world and I, I did a lot of digging around. And I thought, you know, while I am studying, as, as you said, it was, a, it was a long degree, you know, surely there's something that I could do online that could generate me the same amount of income that I could earn working a part-time job, but doing it from my, the comfort of my own home. Um, and I'm like, look, that, to be honest, I mean, I, you know, a lot of 19 year olds don't probably think like that, right? I was going <laughs> to say, like, it sounds like you're generating a little bit more than just to pay the rent. So you kind of started this up, and how long did that go for, and how did you exit that business? Yeah, so that that went on for for three years. Um, I actually exited the business and I sold it at the same time that I was finishing uni, um, and I basically put it out on the market. And I had a, you know, I had a lot of buyers, um, and I ended up selling it to a to a local. It was actually a family here in here in Melbourne, um, and I believe it's still going fairly fairly strong. Excellent, your legacy lives on. Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, you also had a corporate career, not in architecture, but a job with Census, and you were responsible for managing. $10 million portfolio for that company's top clients. That's a bit of a gear shift from running your own online business and studying architecture. Did you specialize on solving a particular problem throughout this sort of phase of your career? And how did you really achieve so much in a career role or perhaps you weren't formally trained in it? 
Look, post post exiting the, the the business, I just you know I, I I really did develop a passion for for digital and and for marketing in general. Um, and I, I I did a lot of digging around to figure out where you know what are my next steps. I could it was two roads. One I could go down the architectural road, um, and by by then I'd already had my degree and and, and whatnot. Or I can go down the, the the marketing role. So I I found Census at the time it was you know, arguably the biggest advertising um, co- company in Australia. Um, and I you know you. Could so I climbed up the corporate ladder, right? I started right at the right at the bottom and worked my way up to, to managing basically the top tier clients for for, for census. Um, and you know, back to I guess to, to specialization. I mean, I I specialized in solving problems. Okay, that was my speciality. I was solving problems for businesses, and those problems were how do we get more leads? How do we generate more revenue? How do we get more exposure? Right, um, and that's where where, where really I, I I specialized in that that was me right I wasn't sales I wasn't marketing I was solving and educating the end users or the or the or the companies themselves on how to to be better at what they do and how to you know how does that impact the bottom line and what sort of problems would you be solving are we talking you know lots of strategy stuff or to be much more practical than that. It was very much strategy. Um, you know, businesses naturally have a lot of pain points and areas that they want to excel in and they just don't know how to, right? Or they just need the right expertise. Um, so I leveraged a lot of my learnings from A, my online store and B, the corporate career that I had through Census. And, you know, the, I guess the exposure that I had to multiple different verticals and industries, right? And, and, and different businesses. Um, and I kind of packaged all that up and, and, and that's what I essentially, you know, w- w- went, to, went to market with um, was that, you know, a lot of those insights that I gained into into those into those industries and, and, and businesses. Oh, that's very interesting. And why did you leave? What 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 was the what was the impetus to leave Census? Because it sounds like you were doing well. You got some runs on the board. You obviously had climbed that ladder. Why the change? Look, to be honest, I was looking for the next next challenge. Right, I, I I hit a bit of a, a, a you can I hit the ceiling. Right, there was nowhere else for me to go. I was, um, you know, and, I, and I've always wanted to have my own business, and I had a dream to to, to always run my own, you know, my, my own company. So um, it was just time for me to, to move on to the next challenge. Um, so I, you know, and you could say I was I was pretty crazy at the time, and a lot of my colleagues used to tell me you're in a pretty good wicket, Rob. You know, what what, what are you doing, <laughs> right? Um, so it was look, it was a, it was a, it was a calculated gamble, and it was a, a very big gamble at that time in my life. Um, but it was it was time for me to move on and, and go on to the next the next big thing. And it seems like while you're working at Census, you probably had this idea for what became Impressive Digital. Were you working on that? exit at the same time as starting the business or was there a line in the sand for you? Yeah, so I actually left, um, I, I founded the, the, the business on, on, on my own, if you like, sort of part-time and I was doing some freelance work for, for a number of different, uh, I guess, small small companies. Um, and, you know, I sort of, you know, started building up my portfolio and I was doing a lot of after-hour work, um, you know, whilst I was still at a census to, to build a brand and build a business um, to the so point where So sleep wasn't I, important to you is what I'm hearing. <laughs> absolutely not. Look, you know, from, 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 from the age, you could almost say from the age of 29 or from 28, probably 28 to only last year, I was doing crazy hours, right? Eighteen to twenty-hour days. Um, it was, you know, I had I had one shot at it, um, and I, I I gave it my all. Um, so so for me, I got into a bit of a routine where I was, you know, I'd, I'd go to work, I'd come home, I'd sleep for an hour, and I basically just kept going um, to to you know two, three, sometimes four o'clock in the morning, and then I had to do it all over again. So um, I was very very determined, um, and as I said, I had one shot at it, so I, I gave it everything I had. 
That's impressive. So, and obviously your agency is called Impressive, so that's, that's <laughs> might, might be how that all came to be. I'm not sure. Do you specialise in a certain type of client archetype or an industry in your digital marketing offering? What do you say is your specialisation? Because there are a lot of digital marketing agencies out there. What makes you guys different? Look, when I, when I first started, I, you know, I did a lot of competitor analysis and I really wanted to understand the, the, the landscape out there and what I was up against. And, you know, a, a lot of agencies are full service agencies, right? It's an end-to-end solution. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I might as well, you know, if it's not broken, why fix it? I'll join and I'll, I'll become that full service agent. So Impressive did, um, you know, for the first 12 months, uh, be, become a full service agency where we were offering website design, development, social media, both community management and paid management, SEO, SEM, um, graphic design, branding, you know, really an, an end end solution. And, and very quickly, I discovered that um, I was doing things the wrong way. Right, um, and that a lot of these agencies out there and so-called digital marketers were basically just trying to win business. So it didn't matter what these businesses were were, were wanting; they would find the solution somehow, and they would, you know, basically go out to market and say, "Well, we, we offer this service." Um, so we, I sort of sat back and I went, "Okay, what are we actually really good at, and where are we getting exceptional results and excellent results for our clients?" And it came down to two major services, right? And it's paid social, and 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 SEO and SEM. Right, they sort of fall under the the main the, the the one banner, so search and social, and I I let I let go of you know what was basically about thirty percent of our business, uh, which was the website design and development component, um, and at that time, you know, twelve months, I, it was it was a it was a big move, right, and and once again, I had staff and colleagues and and even my wife, you know, she was like, are you sure this is this is the right the right decision? I said, well, if we can specialize and excel at what we do, we're going to be excellent and be great and very efficient. Um, and, and and give that perceived value, I guess, to, to, to businesses, right? Rather than being the jack of all trades and, and master of none. Um, and it, it was interesting, right? After we we, we pivoted, um, the business tripled in one year. So, you know, I, I think I sit back now and I think, you know, I wish I did that earlier. <laughs> right? Absolutely. I've been through a similar experience in my business. I started off uh, over a decade ago and I was a small business PR agency and all work was good work. You know, when you're starting up, it's a bit of copywriting, a bit of this, a bit of PR. And really at the end of the day, you know, about five years into it, it took me a long time to realize I wasn't loving all of it and I was just taking on extra work for the sake of it just to grow the business, if you like. But the relief I felt when I specialized in you know, now I do presentation skills and media training and crisis PR because that's the stuff I love and my team as well. I just have people who really love just doing that. So it is tempting to be the jack of all trades, but it sounds like for you definitely specialization has really worked. And, I, you know, I, I read the statistic that you had a 500% increase in turnover. Is that in the past 12 months? Is that sort that's of- a, that's a- yeah, that's that's in the past twelve months. That's incredible. That's incredible. I mean, not many people would achieve that in a in a small business environment where it would be very competitive. I imagine in digital marketing as well. Extremely, extremely competitive. Look, and, and on your point, I mean, you know, I'm a big believer in if you love what you'll do, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. And and that's, you know, my, you know, again, and I, I got to attribute a lot of our success to the, to the team that I, you know, that, that I've built, and you know, they're very very talented individuals, and you know, I must say, you know, they 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 don't feel like they, they come to work, right? So, and, and that's a big, I, I guess, a big, um, you know, that's what I mean. I, I attribute that a lot to our success, the fact that they, they, they feel that they, they're part of something, right, rather than just being another number in, in, in a business. 
No, I think that's really important. Where do you think a lot of businesses in your experience maybe get it a bit wrong when it comes to both growing and remaining true to that point of difference? Yeah, look, I, I, for me, I feel like a lot of businesses focus too much on revenue. Um, you know, of course, revenue is important and, and, and without it, you know, the, the business wouldn't survive. But I think if you focus too much on the, on the end number, you'll take a lot of shortcuts with your product, your service, your employees, um, your processes, your methodologies, where if you, if you actually take it back and go back a couple of steps and focus on what is actually really important, which for us is the customer. So for, for us, you know, we are very customer centric. We want to be able to deliver excellent results to that customer. And if we do that, the revenue will come. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, yeah. And I guess clients stay as well, right? Like I think that when correct. you lose a client, that costs you far more than just the actual client. It's the process of, you know, replacing them and perhaps, you know, what damage that does to your business as well. Absolutely. Look, and it's, and it's not good for, for, for the culture of the business either to be losing a lot of clients. And, and unfortunately, a lot of businesses in this industry, you know, I, I refer to it as, you know, they run, they've got these buckets with holes, right? For them, you know, they, they find it easy to acquire a lot of new business, um, but every month they're acquiring new business and they're losing a lot of business out the back end as well. Um, so, so retention is a big piece for, 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 for business, right? We've got an, ex, you know, an, an amazing retention rate. I'm being a little bit biased here, but, you know, it's, it's in the 90%. So, you know, I think retention is a big piece of business, right? If you're not retaining your current customers, then there's definitely, you're doing something wrong. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, I agree. And also, how do you attract the right type of client? Because I guess they've got to be a match with you as well. Like you've got your specialization, but what sort of values and, and, and way of working do you prioritize when it comes to clients? Yeah, so, so we, we do, we've got a number of different verticals that we do exceptionally well in. Um, so again, we, we do specialize in, in, in e-commerce. I know it's fairly broad, um, but fashion and apparel is a very big vertical for us. Um, we, we've got, you know, some pretty big brands that, that, that we, that we work for, um, in, in that space. And naturally that, you know, that, that attracts a lot of new business as well. Um, you know, word of mouth, I believe in any business is, 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 is extremely important. So although we go out there and we have a very aggressive sales and marketing strategy and, and a brand strategy and, 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 and so on, you know, word of mouth is a very strong and referrals as well, right? So referral and word of mouth are a strong um, part, part of our business. Um, and look, you know, Australia is not a very big place. So, so naturally, a lot of this, you know, the results speak for themselves and, you know, and, and it generates a lot of business for us. Absolutely. And do you find that a lot of your clients are obviously national because they are in that sort of fashion space and lifestyle space? Is it is it you just working with Melbourne clients or you've got global clients? What's sort of the trend for you in terms of the client specialty? When we first started, um, we were very much uh, localised here here in Melbourne. Um, and then naturally, as we started to grow and we started to acquire uh, larger businesses that have footprint across the whole of um, the whole of Australia and internationally, we've been able to now expand our footprint now to go into you know some certain clients are in ten countries or twelve countries, and one particular client's in forty three countries. So we've had we've had a lot of exposure outside of Australia, um, and now we're starting to attract a lot of overseas companies as well that are trying to come into Australia and sell their products here as well. So, and they're looking for that you know local uh, local agency that can that can deliver results in, in a market that they understand. So, um, again, look, it's it's been a, it's been a bit of a process, and again, you know, marketing overseas is very different to marketing here in Australia. Totally, um, you need to understand you know the persona that you're dealing with over there and, and so on. But um, yeah, we, we, we've got a, a fairly big portfolio of, of, of businesses that have um, global footprint and, and we've developed our, our capabilities on those areas as well. 
So do you have an example of a time when you felt like your specialization skills came under the microscope and you had to fine tune them even more, a time when you had to pedal a bit harder in what you do and really be the top of your game and how you, how did you go about that? Yeah, look, um, it, it is tough. Look, and, and specialization is a, is a business decision at the end of the day. Right, so for, for us, it was all about you know we, we we did have a couple of clients in the earlier stages where you know it was probably just mainly around social media and you know at the time although we specialised in social social as I'm sure you're aware is broken down into two components is community management and paid advertising um, and once again we learned very and we were doing both at the time we learned very quickly that we were very good at the community at the um, paid advertising versus community management. Um, so we did have to paddle very quickly to try and you know find our feet in the community management space, um, and because of that particular experience that we had with the client, we actually stopped doing the community management component because we weren't excellent at it. Right? We were good at it, but we weren't right. Great at it. That's so, interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so although we did social media, again, we broke that down even further and went, well, you know, we, we're not very good at community management. We are very good at paid. So we'll move over and we'll pivot ourselves to, to more paid paid advertising. Um, so again, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to learn that right at the early stages um, and make, you know, educated decisions based on that experience. That's really interesting. Thank you for being uh, so vulnerable because I think we can often learn from other people and, and obviously you've had is even though they've had great success, there's obviously, you know, it's not always just an upward upward journey. So I'm always curious to pick not the brains. Not always right? <laughs> no. Sort of that, you know, that iceberg image you always think of with the entrepreneur where people th- just see this overnight success and really there's all this peddling and disappointment and heartache and loss that goes on that people don't see or don't want to see. So It's a very dark road until the until you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? <laughs> totally. Totally. It's not always just keep going up. I think that's no. the thing people think as well. You can't sort of rest on your laurels. So how do you hire the right people at an impressive digital? Like do they need to be experts and specialists in what they do or is it the right type of person that you can kind of mould and, and shape into the skill set that you really need? Well, that's a very good question, Amber. Look, I'm, you know, and I speak about this a lot, but I'm, I'm all for hiring talent versus varying, versus hiring staff, right? I, I've got this you know, theory that, you know, staff are everywhere. It's very easy to hire people that are happy to work nine to five and, you know, they're slaves to their paychecks and all the rest of it, right? But I really do try and, and, and go out there and, and find, you know, unicorns. Right, like trying to find a needle in a haystack, specialists, people that are excellent at what they do. Um, although they're not, you know, again, they're not the cheapest. Um, they do come with a price tag, but they they pay dividends, right? They're, they're extremely, you know, um, professional at what they do and, and and very good at the services that they they, they provide. So, for for us, it's not just about putting bums on seats. Right? I mean, it's even the, the most recent role. It took me nine months to hire for. I can I can. Really? What, really? what type of role were they? Were they literally like the, you know, there's like face, two people uh, in the world that do this? Yeah, no, no, no. It was a Facebook specialist, a Facebook specialist role. Okay. Yeah, yeah a lot of Facebook specialists out there. There's heaps. I've probably interviewed about, at least, I reckon, about 120 people, right? Um, yeah. Wow. And, and That's a lot. It's a lot of people, right? <laughs> over 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 the course of nine months. Um, so we do have a very rigorous uh, process that we that we that we go through. Um, for, for me, you know, it's all about longevity and providing that that individual when they come to this business with a great culture and a great place to work. So, um, you know, I guess back to your question, it's, it is a, it's, it's extremely important for us and it's a big part of my strategy to hire um, extremely talented people versus hiring staff and putting bums on seats. Totally. That, that totally makes sense. Do you have any special mentors or inspirational people that have guided you in this journey and who are they and what have they taught you about life? To be honest, um, I, I don't. <laughs> um, I, I do. I do a lot of, uh, you could say, reading and a lot of uh, listening to, to, to audio books. Um, 
Look, I mean, who do you like to read? Who do you, who do you like I'm to, bit, to get your sort of mojo from? Big, big fan of Tony Robbins, to be honest. Um, he's a. He, you were the second guest today who said that, so I don't know what's in the air, but uh, he must have done some social media push posts for you all. Oh, look, I've been a big fan of uh, of, of Tony for, for for a long time, and I, I listen to a lot of. Um, I've read a number of his different books, and um, I listen to a lot of his audio as well. Um, I think he's great. Really, he really put things in perspective for me, and a lot of the a lot of what he says resonates with me. Um, so, so for me, you know, although I don't have any any mentors as such, um, which is actually something that I am working on uh, to try and find the, the right mentor, um, I do listen to a lot of entrepreneurs and, and and learn from a lot of their heartache and what they've gone through in their in their personal life and their professional life. Um, so he, he's probably the one at the top of the top, top of the list. <laughs> That's one that we're all very familiar with. Last advice, what would be your top three tips for people listening who want to get ahead in the politics of specialization? Look, I always say find your niche, right? Um, that, that's that's the key, right? Well, find- and is it the thing that you love to do and you're good at and that sort of, you know, that sort of, I've always seen that picture where it's like, how you make money is you kind of find what you're passionate about, what you're good at and what you can make a living Absolutely. from and that's often what that's, you be That's doing. right. You know, if I find that one thing that you are really good at where, where that can deliver value to that end user or to that, to that client. Right. I mean, that's that for me, as I, as I mentioned, is, is is a big piece of you know you know is is one of the massive reasons why we've grown so 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 quickly, right? Um, so that's that's probably my my, my number one tip. Um, the, the second tip, which I'm a big um, big believer in, is you know stop living in the what if world, right? I've said this on a number of different um, interviews that I've had, but you know don't think to yourself, well, what if this happens? You know, what if this business fails, and what if I can't specialize in this particular um, service? If you, if you are very good at that at that service or product, um, you will do extremely well. I mean, if you're passionate about it and it really is what you love doing, um, you know, the end result is is there. Um, so I, I feel that uh, you know, as, as a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs, they, as I said, you know, it's it's it, it's a hard road. Right, and it's hard to really pinpoint what it is you're very good at, and you end up, you know, doing everything into that business. So if you can, if you can really hone down on what it is you're very good at, um, and it does provide value to to your customer, um, the, the the you know the revenue will come and it will be fruitful. Um, so that's a that's a big that's a big that was a big learning curve for me as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, if you do want to connect further with Robert, we will have some details on our show notes. You've been listening to the Politics of Everything. Until next time, keep well. Thanks for listening today. If you've enjoyed the politics of everything, we thrive on feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network and your friends and family. I'm also always on the hunt for fabulous new guests. So if you've got a view to share and an idea how to get our listeners excited, please email me at amber at bespokecoms, that's B-E-S-P-O-K-E-C-O-M-M-S.com.au and we'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time.